Last week at the 9 p.m. Mass, I spoke about what Jesus means and how we are to respond to the claim that whoever eats of my flesh shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And he makes, he makes an equally radical claim in the gospel today that I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Now, he's obviously talking about living forever in the spiritual sense, right? That we never die the death of mortal sin. But we know that many of us do still receive communion and regularly die the death of mortal sin. That many of us fall time and time again. So I want to use the first reading again, as I did last week, to kind of give some context of how we can attain this life forever. How, as the church says, one of the effects of the Eucharist is to preserve us from committing mortal sin. How it is that this happens. And so, going back to the first reading, the prophet Elijah. Prophet Elijah in this reading goes under a broom tree, and there under the broom tree he is exhausted. This is one of my favorite readings of the lectionary, in the favorite first reading of the lectionary. And it's because of the context. The context is kind of wild. That, um, and probably you'll find out why I'm not going to preach on it because it doesn't have that much relevance, hopefully not, is that Elijah has just slit the throats of 450 prophets of Baal. You know, I don't think it's like one of those things where it's like, how in your life have you slit the throats of 450 prophets? You know, it's, it, it lacks kind of like, uh, oppressing immediate relevance. But there is a larger context that Elijah has put himself in. And that's the very first time that Elijah appears in the Old Testament and how he shows himself to be a prophet is that he tells King Ahab that there will be a three-year drought, a three-year famine, a three-year drought and famine over the land. And so what that means now is that whenever he is under this broom tree, terrified that Queen Jezebel is going to kill him after he has just killed 450 prophets, is that there's food nowhere else around him, and there hasn't been for a long time. And so he has to eat this hearth cake that the angel of the Lord gives him, because if he doesn't, and he tries to roam out about for other food, he will certainly die. There will be no other place to eat. And so what he does is that he eats the food, but I want to go into three kind of details about this. It's how the way in which we are to eat the food of the Eucharist so that we preserve ourselves from mortal sin. The first, like Elijah, he eats the food under the broom tree, right? He eats the food in the middle of his distress. He never gets to eat whenever, you know, he's just kind of having a normal day. And few times do we either, right? A lot of times we come to Mass stressed out from the previous week. We've come to confession maybe right before, troubled by our own habitual sinfulness, falling again and again. We're troubled by the different pressures of just worldly life. And after eating, a lot of times, like Elijah, we kind of just fall back into our slumber, so to speak. We fall back into the normal rhythms of life, 
and nothing has changed. Because that is why we're here, right? Like, we, we're here because we normally consume the Eucharist. But the angel of the Lord presses Elijah to eat more by reminding him there's food nowhere else. If you do not eat this food, you will not make it for the journey. And that's a reminder and a mindset that we have to have changed. There's a lot of times that we receive the Eucharist, again, as one thing among other things. It refreshes us for a time. It's a nice thing to come to Mass. But do I draw enough strength from it to where I am overwhelmed by the amount of grace in which I've received from the Eucharist? I'm so overwhelmed by the grace that I've received from the Eucharist that I cannot help but be charitable to my neighbor, that I cannot help but be overwhelmed by the will of God. And this is the pressure that the angel of the Lord puts on Elijah, that he has to eat and he force feeds him. Otherwise, he will not have strength for the journey. Then there's a second point, and again, like last week, spoke about how Jesus never separates eating his body and drinking his blood from the act of faith. The simple reception of communion is not enough, because he says, before whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. He says, Whoever believes in me has eternal life. And so this act of belief is never separated from receiving Jesus. And that the flesh that he gives for the life of the world is the flesh that he gives on the cross. We talked about last week. But what does this act of belief look like? And especially considering the doubt that sometimes it seems like we abandon ourselves to Jesus in the Eucharist. And it seems like he doesn't show up. You know, like nothing has changed. On Friday, Father Brewster and I went hunting and in the evening. We were, we were walking out. It was dark. And this was at uh, our lease, and so I'm very familiar with the terrain. And so uh, he was holding up his phone. He had his flash, just iPhone flashlight. And I told him, turn off your light. A lot of times I just like to walk in the dark, you know, like using just kind of the, the twilight to help us walk. And he said, okay. So then he turns off the light, and it's just completely dark. And immediately he said, well, that was stupid, uh, because it was pitch black for about 10 seconds. And then once that 11th second hits, then your eyes readjust, and you're able to see just a little bit farther, in fact, much farther than you are whenever you have just that light that's directly in front of you, and we can only see about 10 feet. I bring this up because there's this analogy that um, Gergou Lagrange speaks about faith. And he says that faith and reason. He says that reason, our natural ability to reason, is very much like the sun. When it's out, we can see all things in front of us and with great detail. But whenever this, but we can only see the things in front of us. But whenever the sun sets, whenever our reason goes down and the stars come out, that light, then that darkness, because the sun is gone, we are able to see into other worlds, that we're able to see farther than we ever were before. And this is the sight of faith. And so there is always, however, kind of like the analogy of that 10 seconds where it's just completely dark, where our eyes are readjusting to compensate for the darkness, where our reason is readjusting to compensate for the faith that God gives us, where 
there's a time where I remove myself from the earthly attachments that I have that cause sin, that bring about death, but are comfortable. Like we talked about last week, that those flesh pots of Egypt. There is, there is those 10 seconds, so to speak. There is that time where I'm not yet attached to the Eucharist. And that's a scary time. But in faith, we know that the Lord allows our eyes to readjust. That he will always catch us, so to speak. That he will feed us with his body and blood that gives life forever. But then there's a third point, a third consideration that I would like to have. And that is the reality that, sure, we receive grace from the Eucharist. We receive the Eucharist with devotion. But nonetheless, we remain weak. Nonetheless, I come to Mass on Sunday. I receive his grace faithfully and attentively, but I still struggle habitually with certain sins, and I find myself in a place of weakness. And I'd like to consider the Canaanite woman that we see appear in the Gospels um, when she approaches Jesus. And as we know, the Canaanite woman is not Israeli, right? She's not an Israelite. And so when she approaches Jesus, she says, Lord, my daughter is ill. If only you could heal him, heal her. And to that, Jesus says that the bread is for the Israelites and that the bread does not go to the dogs. And what, I mean, it looks like Jesus is just rejecting this woman. But that's not what's happening. What Jesus is doing is that he's teasing out her faith to the point to where she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the scraps. Even the dogs eat the scraps. And Jesus' response to that is, woman, great is your faith, your daughter has been saved. Woman, great is your faith. And that's the reality of a lot of times what we're working with. A lot of times we're working with scraps that were built kind of in this broom tree, right? Never in a vacuum, never comfortably, that we are in broken families and that we deal with our own human weakness and that we have all these different stressors. But recognizing that it will never, our surroundings will never be perfect. That God gives us the food, not when we're on a recliner, but we're under the broom tree and distressed. When all we have to do is work with scraps. But even the dogs eat the scraps. That the scraps of the Eucharist are enough. That even those graces that we're not even possibly able to receive well into our hearts because our hearts are torn into scraps. Even that is enough. And so, in conclusion, the Lord means it. It's not just a trope. It's not a nice thing that he puts into, like, fortune cookies or or little uh, dove chocolates. Whenever he says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The Eucharist has the effect of preserving us from mortal sin. It is the problem is with us and our inability to recognize that even in our brokenness, that the Lord is able to preserve us from mortal sin by the bread that he will give forever, which is his flesh for the life of the world.